On a planet in a forgotten corner of the galaxy lived a woman, an old woman, though she did not look old. She lived in a wooden hut in the middle of a vast, tangled forest. Her skin was the colour of the underside of a young leaf, and her clothes were made of supple bark and interlaced moss. The light from the planet's triple suns, strained through the overhanging moss of creepers and branches, was pale and sickly. But it was enough to sustain the woman. Her body was lithe and well-muscled, and her hair fell in long black waves which shone like oil. She didn't eat. Didn't need to. Something else nourished her. The woman, the hut, and the trees around the hut were lit from underneath by a green organic light. This was from the lake which the woman's hut nestled beside. The lake was never still. Its surface glowed green like phosphorescence, and occasionally a frantic bubbling would break its surface. A long wooden pier ran from the shore to the centre of the lake. For days on end, the woman would sit outside her hut, playing a stringed instrument she had made from reeds and bark and twine. The sound was slow and sensual, and the shore of the lake seemed to lap in time to the music. Sometimes, but very rarely, a visitor would come to the planet, and the woman would show them the lake. She knew a visitor would be coming soon, a very important visitor. She knew this because she had been, what was the word? Briefed. They hadn't told her when exactly the visitor was going to come, so she sat and waited, patient as eternity itself, playing her slow, dreamlike music. Then one day, the woman stopped playing and looked up expectantly to a spot just ahead between her and the lake. The air was shimmering like a heat wave, and there was a noise, a shattering, heaving noise, as though a horde of mighty creatures was bellowing in pain. She knew there were no creatures large enough on her world to make such a sound, but she was not surprised. Her briefing had prepared her for the strange nature of her visitor's arrival. As the sound rose to a crescendo and then faded, a strange shape melted into existence, a square, hard shape, with a painfully bright light on the top. The woman frowned. Such a shape had no place in her world. She glanced over to the lake. Around the edges its glow had darkened, and its centre pulsed slowly, pensively, like the belly of a sleeping beast. Then the door of the blue box opened. A man stepped out. She smiled. This shape was more welcome. He was tall, and he carried himself proudly. His hair was like a golden halo in the dim light. His clothing was the colour of every flower she had ever seen. The visitor looked about himself, as though lost. Then he saw the lake, and started towards it. No, not now, not yet. The woman leapt up. Visitor! Stop! He turned to see her, surprise giving way to a smile. He walked right up to her. As he came closer, she could see the texture of his clothes. His coat looked as soft and supple as moss, though the colours were almost enough to blind her. And no green. Nowhere in that kaleidoscope was a shred of green. 
The woman stood up, frowning. Up close, his face was full of intelligence, the eyes blue and piercing. Hello, I'm the doctor, and I'm at a bit of a loss. I have been waiting for you, said the woman. I knew you would come. Now that is interesting, said the doctor, wagging a finger at her. Neither I nor the TARDIS knew. He cast a glance over his shoulder at the blue box. As he turned, the woman glimpsed a flash of green material on the back of his coat. Mind you, she hasn't been the same since I dropped Mel off at Pea's Pottage. Must miss her, just as I do. These words meant nothing to the woman. You are always going to come here one day, she said. The doctor began to look wary. She could tell he was used to danger, used to traps. Who are you? he asked her. And where is this place exactly? I have no name, said the woman. Or if I had a name once, I do not know it now. This place is my home. I am here to look after. She glanced over to the lake. He followed her gaze. The lake? She nodded. He raised an eyebrow in interest. What do you do? Dredge it? Feed the ducks? Keep litter-spreading holidaymakers at bay? The woman did not like the tone of his voice. There are no ducks on this planet. Only me. And the lake. Mm, must get pretty boring at times, unless you have a well-stocked library. The woman ignored him. What was a library, anyway? This doctor was beginning to annoy her. Now seemed a good time to carry out her instructions. The woman walked towards the lake, and he followed, demanding to know how she had brought him here and why. She waved a languid hand. The lake will answer all your questions. He stopped walking. I don't like the sound of that. The woman cursed herself. Perhaps she had said too much. If she was not careful, she would lose him. She moved to him, put her hands on his chest, feeling the strange softness of his clothes. She looked into his eyes. I do not know why you are here. I only knew that you would come. It is the lake. It is special. He cocked his head to one side. In what way, special? It can see the future. The doctor snapped his fingers. So that's why I'm here. There's a temporal anomaly to sort out. And so saying, he ran out onto the pier. At the end of the pier, the doctor looked down at the lake. Its surface was cloudy, oily, very strange. Whatever it was, it wasn't water. Perhaps the temporal fluctuations it caused had drawn the TARDIS here. He wouldn't be surprised. She'd done that sort of thing before, landing him in the middle of a mystery. Well, now he was here. He may as well get on with solving this mystery. He produced a test tube from his pocket and bent down. Must get a sample. He felt a hand on his shoulder. The woman pulled him upright. She was surprisingly strong. The doctor glanced around wildly. If this was a trap, now would be the time for it to close on him. But no monstrous creatures rose from the lake, and the wooden slats of the pier remained firm under his feet. He smiled at the woman, if indeed she was a woman. For all he knew, she might change at any time into anything. Well, can't I just take a 
a little bit to see what it's made of? You cannot, she said. Why not? The woman stepped towards him. Her eyes were dark like her hair, like little pools of oil. The lake is alive. It is whole. You cannot take part of it away with you. The doctor looked into the lake. Alive? Hmm, I thought so. Fascinating. The section of the lake he was staring at began to darken and bubble. He bent down and peered closer. He heard the woman step up close behind him and tensed. Was she going to push him in? He felt her warm breath in his ear as she whispered to him, The lake can see the future, Doctor, and it can bring life to what it sees there. The doctor didn't like the sound of that, not one bit. He tried to look away from the lake, but the woman gripped his head with both hands, forcing him to stare into the glowing fluid and the shape forming within. He could see a face, a strong, stern face, full of character with a hawk nose and eagle eyes. Oh, no, cried the doctor. The face was familiar because it was his own, or one of his own, the face of his evil dark side, his ultimate nemesis. Something large broke the surface of the lake with a squelchy splash. The doctor stepped back, shielding his eyes. And there, on the pier before him, stood a sinister figure, eyes wide, breathing heavily. His black and silver costume glistened and glowed with the stuff of the lake. He looked around himself, wonder on his face. So, this is corporeal existence, he whispered slowly. It is good. Then the figure caught sight of the doctor. I know you, he said. You are the doctor, and I certainly know you, Valliard. Ah, is that my name? Very well, it's as good as any other. The newly christened Valliard took a few clumsy steps towards the doctor. It was as if he'd just learned how to walk. His arms were outstretched towards the doctor, fingers clenching and unclenching. The doctor backed away. Now, don't do anything rash. You're a very tenuous, paradoxical, temporal and philosophical anomaly. And if I were you, I'd jump right back in that lake where you came from. The Valiard laughed. <laughs> You're a fool, doctor, to come here. I have waited, hidden in your future for a long time. Now you have created me from this lake of future possibilities. Impossible, cried the doctor. Yes, it has happened, said the Valiard, softly. I always wondered where you originally sprang from, said the doctor. The Valiard smiled. Well, now you know, and the knowledge is useless to you. Now you will suffer. The Valiard lunged at the doctor and bore him to the ground. He was incredibly strong. His hands were around the doctor's throat, cutting off his air. The doctor wasn't too worried. If he passed out, his respiratory bypass system would kick in, but that didn't stop the pain. The Valiard's voice boomed loudly in his ears. Now I will kill you and inherit your remaining regenerations. Oh, don't you know that'll never work, 
the doctor managed to pant. His head was hanging over the side of the pier, and he had a giddy upside-down view of the glowing green lake. Suddenly, he heard the lake woman. She was laughing. Then the valiard grunted in surprise, releasing the doctor. The doctor sat up, gasping for breath and massaging his neck. The valiard was staggering backwards, slimy creepers whipping around his neck and limbs. The creepers writhed and hissed like snakes, binding the valiard hand and foot. What is this? cried the valiard, scrabbling vainly to remove his slippery bonds. The lake woman stood by, intense concentration on her face. The doctor caught a movement out of the corner of his eye and stepped aside as another creeper slithered from the lake and onto the Valiard's body. It wrapped itself around the Valiard's head like a gag, cutting off his cry of rage. The doctor stood up. He nodded to the lake woman. Oh, thank you. That's much better. Though I do wonder why you bothered to save me. The lake woman regarded him impassively. Come back onto the shore. The lake has done its work. The woman prodded the valiard who shuffled down the pier. The doctor followed, rubbing his neck, his mind whirling with questions. The woman stood and watched the valiard stumble off the pier and onto dry land. The doctor walked up to the tethered valiard. Though the doctor was at heart a pacifist and would never take pleasure from another's suffering, there was something supremely satisfying about seeing the Valiard trust, bound, and totally powerless. Verbose, violent, venal Valiard. Where's your court hat? Apart from that, you're just as you were, or rather will be, at the trial. The Valiard was red in the face, staring at the doctor, struggling to speak. Sighing, the doctor reached out and peeled the slimy creepers from over his enemy's mouth. <coughs> trial? What trial? spat the Valiard. Oh, of course you won't know about that. It's in your future, but my past. Oh, my, 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 what a mess we're in. The woman walked up to the doctor. You know what you must do now, doctor? she said, trailing her nails across his face. He grabbed her hand and squeezed. You knew all about this, didn't you? The High Council set this all up. What did they give you? What have they promised you? Nothing, said the woman. I have all I need. I have the lake. And so saying, she passed him a piece of bark. Then... She dissolved into a glob of green matter and flowed into the lake. The doctor shrugged. He'd been expecting something of the sort and refused to be impressed. The Valiard staggered towards the doctor. Untie me, doctor. We have unfinished business. The doctor shook his head. He was staring at the piece of bark the woman had handed him before her exit. Etched upon it was the seal of Rassilon and some space-time coordinates. Doctor, I demand to be released. Nothing can prevent the curtailment of all your ridiculous regenerations. Oh, shut up, shouted the doctor, unable to contain his anger as he realised what he had to do. The events of the trial were in the doctor's past, but the Valiard's future. If he left the Valiard here, the events of the trial would never occur. 
and although that was a very desirable option, it would shatter the web of time. Despite all its complications, the trial had to happen. The Valiard had to be there. The arrogance of the High Council. They knew that he, the Doctor, would have to take the Valiard to those coordinates and hand him over to them so the trial could take place. The Doctor sighed. <sighs> Come on, we're going on a little trip. Much as I hate to do this, I have to. He prodded the Valiard towards the TARDIS. Where are you taking me? To meet some nice people who will have a little job for you to do. Perhaps it's them who gave you the court hat. The doctor gave the Valiard a shove, which sent him stumbling towards the TARDIS. Then he was struck by a thought, a very pleasing thought. At the end of the trial, all the corrupt High Council were deposed. <laughs> he who lives by the temporal paradox dies by the temporal paradox, he muttered to himself as he opened the door to the TARDIS. The TARDIS dematerialized, leaving the lake and the hut and the pier and the forest. The woman's laughter hung in the air, its cadences containing a million, million future possibilities. <laughs>